Hey everyone, it's Mark. Thanks for joining me today. With me today on my podcast is Toma Doring. Toma is the owner of Tri-City Paints. That's in British Columbia. Toma is a single store retailer. And I've spent a bit of time recently writing about the business model of single store retailers. And I did a podcast recently with James Pace, who was also a single store retailer. You know, the topic is one that's interesting to me. I only had two stores in New York Metro at the time that I sold uh, about three years ago. And when I was first in the business, single store dealers were quite common. When I had first joined All Pro, uh, maybe there were 150 members and they represented uh, 200 stores or, or something along those lines. And even when I first got into the business and opened up my second store in uh, probably around 1995 or six or somewhere around there, we were the only retailer in the Bronx with Benjamin Moore that had two uh, locations. Everybody else was a single store, but the business model changed over the last you know, number of decades. And some of those changes ended up positioning the retailer channel for the vitality that it's experiencing right now. Uh, most dealers now are you know, four or five uh, and even bigger. But there is still a category of micro retailers out there, one and two store operators. And they have some really interesting challenges that they face. And in addition to that, they have some really interesting opportunities. And so I wanted to have Toman to talk about some of them because she is doing a really dynamite job growing her business and, and using her standing as a paint store to sell more decor products to the customers coming into her store already with uh, redecorating on their minds from the paint job. And so I actually, when I've uh, written about these topics recently about small dealers, I've had a number of small dealers reach out to me. And so that's why I wanted to do another uh, couple of these. And so I appreciate Toma making the time. I've shared with retailers that I speak with. I'm, I'm currently consulting for two uh, micro chains. And I've been honest with uh, both of them as I would be with any independent paint retailer. If you have one or two stores and your focus is just on selling paint, if you're a Benjamin Moore or PPG or whatever is your main line, it's not enough. And looking forward, it's going to continue to be a struggle for you. But the thing that doesn't mean that the only solution is necessarily to get to four or five or six stores. That's that's a good one. But if your inclination is to keep your business small and and you're an independent uh, retailer, so your business should reflect your personality and and your tolerance for risk and all other things that are important to you. But within the one store model, there are some challenges, but there are certainly some opportunities to overcome those challenges. And one of the ways to do that is with decor. And so Tom is doing a really outstanding job in that way. And so I wanted to give her the chance to tell you a little bit about what she's doing. And she is absolutely hysterical. She's one of the funniest people that I've ever had on the show before. Uh, this is actually an episode that's a little bit on the long side because some of the stuff that I would normally cut out of an episode when I make them is just the side and the background chatter is just so hysterical because she's so funny that I decided to leave it in. So enjoy the uh, episode with Toma. Like and subscribe. If you're a small dealer, you have some questions, as always, reach out to me. I'm happy to uh, try to help you or answer your questions. Or if you want some some other expertise that I think might exist somewhere in the industry for another part of your business, I'm happy to help you find it. 
Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. With me today is Toma Doring. Toma is an independent retailer in Canada. She's from Tri-City Paint and Design Center in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia. Toma, thank you for joining me today. Hello, Mark, and thank you for having me on your show. It's a great pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for making the time. So before we get into what life is like for a paint retailer in British Columbia right now, why don't you tell me a little bit about your history and how you ended up in the paint business? It started back in 1992, which is now 30 years ago. And um, my husband and I <clears throat> wanted to work together and we were looking at different businesses and kind of see what is recession proof, so to speak, as far as a retail business goes and came upon a opportunity with a Benjamin Moore paint store. And we figured, you know, when times are good, people are buying, selling their houses and painting and renovating. And when times are not so good, they're still painting and kind of staying put. So we opened up the paint store. I come from a background of selling real estate and doing administrative work. And I figured that would be kind of my role was the administrative end of things in the store. And it changed very quickly when I realized I needed to be out on the floor talking to people, helping them with their projects. My first, very first customer <laughs> ever was doing a project of stripping some furniture. And so I was giving her all of the advice and the tips and the products that she needed, none of which were eco-friendly at the time. And partway through the process, I said to her, I said, you know, are you, are you the one that's going to be doing this project? And she says, oh, yeah, I love doing this kind of stuff. And I said, well, I think maybe somebody in your condition shouldn't be using these types of products. Right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, she puts her hand on my shoulder and she was very gracious. She says, oh, honey, she says, I'm not pregnant. I'm just fat. And it's like, oh, so that was my first customer experience. In <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you something funny. My, my daughter's mother, my ex-wife, who I jokingly call my baby mama, my ex-wife lost a job that way. Uh, she, she walked into the elevator. She was working. This was when we were young, 25 or eight years old or whatever. She was working for a temp agency and she stepped into the elevator and the owner of the agency was there and uh, she noticed the bump. And so she said, hey, congratulations. When are you due? And the woman said, I'm just fat. And that was that was the end of her career. So, hey, these oh, things happen. You know, these things yeah. Happen. Yeah. Well, you um, learned a valuable lesson about what to say to fat people <laughs> or what not to say to fat or, people. Or pregnant women. They can be right. looking at wallpaper books and doing baby rooms and I will not say a thing. <laughs> I've always said, if I don't see a baby hanging out from between her legs, I don't ask if she's pregnant or not. You know, it's just not, it's not worth the yeah. risk, you know? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. <laughs> and so you're in the store now, you are more responsible for the decorating end of it. And I saw on your website, you have a, Toma and Company designs business that you're running, it seems, out of the store, right? Well, it came very organically, actually. Originally, they would come in with their projects for painting, and they'd be doing a whole house and haven't got a clue of where to start. And then I kind of had this idea that, hey, maybe I should go out to their houses and help them with their colors. And that's how that was born. And originally, in my naivete, I, I didn't charge them for the consultation, thinking, oh, they're just going to come by and buy the paint, and that's what I'm doing it for, right? And I wised up soon enough and um, carried on from there. So, <laughs> And so now you do full design services, but you send a bill with it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so 
Uh, I haven't had a Canadian retailer on for quite a while, actually. So before we get into it, why don't we talk a little bit about what the competitive environment is in British Columbia? Are there other Benjamin Moore retailers, Home Depots, Sherwin-Williams? I really can't say I know much about that market. All of the above. Yes. So we are in a community. It's called the Tri-Cities, made up of three different cities. And Coquitlam and Port Coquitlam being the two major ones. Population is probably about 180,000 in in the main city. And we have everything. We have Home Depot. We have Rona, which is now Lowe's. We your Canadian Tires, which is our our big box stores. Sherwin Williams, Dulux. A lot of a lot of the companies have gotten eaten up over time um, and have now been um, you know consolidated with the other companies, ICI and what have you. But they're all there. They're all present. Benjamin Moore stores are all around, a little closer than what I think they should be. But that's my humble opinion. And yeah, it's been a difficult few years, um, as it has everywhere. Vancouver's been particularly hard hit after, um, well, there's been the COVID. Then there's been the, the Texas deep freeze, which we're still suffering from, from material standpoint. But what happened here last year was that first we had a, um, they call them atmospheric rivers. So all of this nasty weather. Then we had a heat dome and lots of forest fires and then massive flooding, which knocked out a major bridge in between the mountain range, which connects us to the rest of Canada. So we were cut off probably for about two months, I believe. Oh, wow. Any supply chain. So they had to go shorter routes or down through the States and back up again. So And so were you able to get material from, I know you had said Benjamin Moore is, what, is your big paint vendor. Were you able to get material from them during that two months? Whatever was in the warehouse. Right. Um, because everything kind of stopped and all of the shipments were uh, returned, like sent back to Edmonton to warehouse until they could come through. And it's trickled through. But um, here's the good news. They didn't a- have any paint for you back then anyway. They were no, they didn't. Right. <laughs> That's right. So no That's big right. tragedy there. Oh, so we're still recovering from that because our warehouse has not been able to replenish to the capacity that it needs to be at. You know, people come in for 12, 15 gallon orders and they leave with two. Yeah. So it's it's pretty tough. Yeah. And what do they say? How how long until you're able to sort of get back to normal in that regard? Oh, don't expect it this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that you know, yeah. the supply chain issue is obviously affecting dealers that same way down here in the States. Obviously, the bridge uh, did not yeah. blow here. Uh, in the States. But at the same time, we're reaching a time where there seems to be enough paint and dealers seem to be able to, for the most part, start meeting their needs. But up until very recently, that's been a disaster uh, here in the States as well. Yeah, we even tried, not us, but a different innovative retailer um, bought some skids out of Washington. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're not allowed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good on him. He found a way to get paint. Yeah, any port in a storm, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are some of the challenges that you guys have had to overcome and, and how have you gone about the business of overcoming them as, as the channel sort of shows a preference for multi-location retailers? Well, that's for sure. Um, I mean, we've had 
numerous challenges um, as, as any business. We were in our first location um, for roughly 18 years and then the um, landlord decided to double our rent and we thought, you know, tried to negotiate and that wasn't going anywhere. So we had no choice but to move. And that move started a chain of events that, um, that we're still paying for, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so we moved just uh, not far, you know, maybe one kilometer, but it seemed to be enough anyways to, to affect our business. And then um, there we were for eight years and then the landlord decided to sell the building and didn't want the new purchaser, didn't want any tenants. So we were forced to move again. And so we are now in, settled in this nice little location for four years. Um, but each time your, your clientele changes somewhat, certain amounts will follow you, but certain yeah. amounts that loyalty just isn't there when it's another five minutes to drive somewhere, right? Right. And then in the meantime, Benjamin Moore put in another paint store in the area where that one kilometer difference where we moved away from before. So um, in that general area. So um, they're three kilometers away from us, which is very close. So yeah, and in a community that isn't that huge really, but, and that's affected us. But then um, they own eight stores heading west, so into Vancouver. And then on the other side, we've got other store owners that are, are multiple. Um, multiple, owners. yeah. And, and they do have some advantages when it comes to buying and even to your Absolutely. point, negotiating leases and stuff like that. There are some yeah. advantages. So how have you used uh, specifically decor uh, to help sort of offset those advantages mm -hmm. that the multi-stores multi-store chains have because to me it's interesting the one store business model is not a great one if you're just out there just selling you know your brand of paint I'm a Benjamin Moore store I'm a Pittsburgh store whatever it is if it's just paint and you've got one store yep. even if you're doing uh you know millions in business I don't love your business model so how have how have you used decor to sort of fight that um, yeah, I mean, with, with the multi-store owners, it um, becomes a, a race to the bottom, like who can, who can give the best deal to the contract. And you're, they're working on 20% margins. And, yeah. you know, nobody can, can survive on, on that, those kinds of margins. In fact, they're selling paint now for less than what we sold it 10 years ago. X number of price increases. Right. So that's been the most challenging. And that's where we thought, well, okay, let's, let's pivot. And that's what we did with the home decor. So we started with the window coverings because as I'm in the home, you see all these other things that people need and don't even realize that they need them until it's too late for me to be able to help them with it. The great value of a home visit is yeah. the opportunity to sell more products. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You're in there talking paint. You're in there talking paint colors. Let's talk throw pillows. Let's, let's talk, you know, bunting around the windows or whatever. Everything. Yes, that's right. One of the things that I wanted to spend a lot of, of our time on today was the role of consultations in your business. So let's talk about what sort of consultations you offer and how you use them in your business. Um, so it started out, of course, with uh, your basic color consultation. And um, then, you know, with different training over time, I'm developing a real niche where I'm specializing 
myself. So people come and seek me out. Um, I've done their uh, parents' home now. Their their children are buying homes, and now I'm going into their homes. Um, but part of what um, what is important to me is uh, doing well, bringing wellness into the home. So it really is. The color is not just something that's nice to look at or um, keeps your walls looking fresh or what have you. Um, color also has a lot of subconscious effects on our psyche. And especially with the amount of time that we're spending at home these days, it's very important to feel good in it, in your space. And that has to do not just with color, it also has to do with the circadian rhythm and our lighting. Everything has now gone into very hard surfaces. So also the acoustics, which is where the fabrics come in. So really uh, doing my consultations now involves all of the senses, not just the visual. When you go into the home for somebody, is that a, a fee-based service that you're offering them? Is that something that you're uh, including in the purchases? How are you handling that? It is a fee-based um, uh, service. And they do get set up with a discount on their paint when they're ready to do their project. Um, some people are DIY and want to do it themselves, so they appreciate that. Um, other homeowners will have contractors do it, and then that's where it becomes a little bit more challenging because they can go to any store or they'll right. say, oh, yeah, we can, we can match their colors and, and use it in Sherwin-Williams or whatever else they happen to have in their uh, but yes, we do. We do encourage the homeowner to come in and, and we explain to them that we are independently owned and the store down the street is not supporting us. It is supporting another corporation. The other big change now where we have to figure out how to pivot is the window covering industry. And I know you do a paint um, podcast. No, no, no. We but... have a lot of <laughs> dealers listening are, are very similar to you. They're paint, window <laughs> coverings, etc. So in Canada, as of May 1st, um, they have gone to extremes with the child safety regulations. So now we can't have anything with any type of cord on it. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, it, it really is challenging. And not everyone can afford um, to motorize all of their shades. And it's to the extent where they're trying to problem solve. Of course, anytime you're dealing with government, there's a great deal of red tape. So then in the United States and Canada, right? That's, oh, that's, good Lord. that's not just you guys. Yeah, <laughs> not just you guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's our, our big hurdle right now. You know, one of the reasons why I got out of the business when I did, and I'm out uh, going on three years now, two and a half years. One of the reasons I got out is that we had two stores in New York. And I saw all around me, you know, sort of what was going on. And I saw the effects on my business. Uh, and I realized that, you know, this just two stores just selling Benjamin Moore paint is really not going to be enough to last long term. And my feeling was I needed to do one of two things. I either needed to pivot and become a decor store because I do think that's an excellent business model uh, for a small retailer, or I needed to pivot the other direction and maybe add two, three, four more stores. At the time I was 53 or four, uh, you know, when I started thinking about this and, and neither one of those two uh, options were particularly attractive. I didn't know a lot about decor. I didn't want to start uh, learning a whole new business or maybe mm -hmm. hiring somebody to handle it for me. And, uh, you know, closer to the end at, you know, 50, 
two, three, four years old, you're closer to the end than the beginning. And it wasn't really time in my heart, in my mind, to start dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars into opening new locations. And so I had something else, you know, going on the side, my consulting business. And so I decided to get out when I did. But uh, it was really what we're talking about now, just that change in the business model that that just a standalone paint store uh, is just not enough anymore. Some are going in the direction of decor, which I think is a great model. Uh, a lot of retailers are going in the direction of hardware, which I also think is a dynamite model. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that, at least in the United States. And so there's lots of ways to uh, adapt uh, your business so that you can still throw a broad enough net to be successful, right? But for sure, paint is is no longer enough if that's if if your plan is to just have a single location. That's very true. Um, and now, in order to really grow your business even more, you have the uh, or we have the additional challenges of staffing. That's right. Yeah, which is of course a problem everywhere in every industry right now. I'm not sure where right. all the people went, but <laughs> is that happening in Canada as well? In oh, the United States, they call that the Great Resignation. Apparently, like millions of people have have dropped out of the workforce. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, it, it, it's happening here as well. I don't know where everybody went or yeah, or what, what's happening here. There, there's different. Um, um, different conversations around it. And part of it is is basically the demographic of, you know, kind of where we are is, is the 60-ish plus um, people that finally just, you know, they were working part-time and just keeping busy and not necessarily having to have to work. And um, just said, you know, I don't need this anymore when, when yeah. COVID hit. Yeah. Right. And, and so has, that, has finding part. people been a big problem for you guys the huge, last couple of years? Huge problem. Yeah. Huge problem. And yeah. And how are you overcoming that? We work six days a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's another reason why I'm glad I sold my stores. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, we're open seven days a week, so I'm grateful I do get that one day. But yeah, uh, but it's tough. It's tough right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. No, my father did, you know, 11 hours a day, six days a week for the entirety uh, of his career, basically just at the end, when I came in, he would take a, an occasional half day to play some golf or something. But that's really the small retailers lament is just how hard it is to be able to afford enough staff to be able to give you the freedom of lifestyle uh, that you want. And that's one of the reasons uh, why four and five store and bigger chains mm -hmm are often, in fact, easier to manage uh, than single store or, you know, even two store uh, retailers, because if all the one store retailers I know, all of them uh, spend at least some amount of time behind their counter, right? They're working with mm -hmm. customers at the counter, they're answering mm -hmm. their own phones, etc., that is a really time consuming process for somebody who's trying to make time to do high level stuff that grows their business, marketing or even sales or phone calls or yeah. whatever it is they want to work on. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's um, you know, the, the old adage of, of working on your business instead of in your business right. is, is so important, but it, you're unable to do it right now just because That's of that. Right. Yeah. That's right. And, and that's, that problem is not going to go away, even when the 
uh, labor situation sort of levels out, which it will eventually. Yeah. That problem for for single store dealers is not going to go away. That's that's in fact the very challenge yeah. uh, that that we all live with. Yeah, no, it's very true. It's very true. So switching gears to our last topic, I I noticed on your website that you guys, which by the way, you have a terrific website. Thank you. Uh, I noticed on your website that you guys are engaged with uh, Facebook and Instagram. And so what are some of the uh, digital things that you're doing to sort of help uh, promote and market your business? Hmm. Well, a lot of the the Facebook and Instagram aspect of things, I have one of my staff is doing most of that. I have an interior design student that can do a lot of different things for me, which is which is helpful. So yes, it's a lot of marketing um, online now, which is where people tend to gravitate. You That's know, you where do word of mouth is anymore. Yeah, right. Word of mouth is online in a world where people don't want to talk to their neighbors, yeah. which they don't. Right. Yeah. I mean, the world yeah. has changed. People yeah. don't talk yeah. to their neighbors anymore, and in that kind of environment. How else is word of mouth going to spread? You know, you can't put word of mouth in a newspaper. No, and it's so true. And I mean, the the um, the reviews are really important. Trying to get reviews from your customers, and um, that's really important. So the word yes. of mouth is is huge for us um, because we've been in the community for so long. That that's really a good thing. And we're starting to get back into perhaps doing some events. We used to do fundraising events for like the crossroads hospice and get people out or for the food bank and people would bring items and then um we'd have things going on for the kids and stuff and of course that got shut down for a few years and right because of covid yeah one of the things that retailers have asked me you know when they uh, when we talk about digital marketing is how do they measure like the sales that it generates and that's a fair question, right? Because of course, you should never be spending money in your business without uh, doing some sort of measurement of how what kind of return you're getting. But beyond that, uh, there has to be some understanding that that there your the name of your business needs to get out into the market. And even if there's costs associated with that, that can't necessarily be directly measured, like doing an event, doesn't create a sale of a gallon of paint necessarily, right? But what it did do was make 50 more people aware that mm-hmm. Tri-City Paint Design Center exists, you know? That's right. It's an awareness. And and being online is definitely where you need to be, but there's so much noise, right? There's, yeah. Everybody's online, right? So you still want to have that, that human contact. That's and right. I find... Even even since COVID, people are fatigued with their computers and their devices. So they're actually starting to disconnect more and, and going back to what you and I were used to many years right. ago before we had this, um, before we were so connected. Yep. And trying to get people together that might be inclined to talk about your business, right? That's really That's what right. you're trying to do is to get the word out that we exist. That's right. Yeah. Last question, Toma. Uh, while we were doing our prep, you had mentioned the Color Marketing Group, which I had never heard of before. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, yes, the Color Marketing Group is an international organization. They have um, memberships from, uh, there's the, the North American arm, which is the one that I belong to. There's Europe, um, Asia Pacific, Latin America. And what we do is we 
we pay attention to what is happening in the world and in, um, in our communities and how that affects color trends. Because color trends really aren't determined by a round table of people drinking wine <laughs> and say, hey, although they should be, although they should be, yeah, right. <laughs> that's the naming of the colors comes in. <laughs> right. But um, um, it's really a very scientific process, and a lot of people aren't aware of that. And so to me, it's a fascinating part of um, the human psyche as to how events really affect um, the colors that are popular, what's going to sell. Um, in cars or in your advertising or in the Nike shoes or whatever it is, your water bottles, you know, what color are people going to gravitate towards to? And that's what we do. We collaborate and predict them two years in advance. And that gives me a bit of an insight that um, that is beneficial for my clients, not that trends are critically important to all of them, but they're interesting. And um um, for, for me, I think it's um, kind of downplayed or it's, it's an organization that perhaps isn't as given as much validity in our business down at the grassroots level as it perhaps should be. Uh, so Tama, we're, we're just about at the end of our time. Do you have any final thoughts as we wrap it up? I think what we just really need to remember is that we have to be able to pivot in our businesses and um, really still take the time to find a few hours in the day to really enjoy life because um, being an entrepreneur and living the dream <laughs> six days a week is, is not always easy. Um, yeah. but, um, but it's a fun business. It uh, kind of gets into your blood and under your skin. And I think that's great advice, particularly for the single and, and small chain, the one and two store uh, operators. I think that's great advice because I was one myself and you do have a tendency to let the business sort of take your life over. And if you're not careful uh, about that, it's it becomes too much and, and it'll embitter you uh, mm -hmm. towards your business over a long period of time. And so I, I think that's fabulous advice, Tom, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So uh, Toma Doring of Tri-City Paint Design Center, thank you so much for being on my show today. I really enjoyed our time together and getting to know you. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate uh, you giving a Canadian some time. <laughs> it's been a pleasure.